This is After the Bell Rings, a podcast brought to you by the Triad School District in Troy, Illinois. In this series, you'll hear about what your kids are learning, how they're learning, and ideas to strengthen the school-home partnership. Here's Amy Van Hoos. Welcome to After the Bell Rings. This is Episode 9. I'm your host, Amy Van Hoos, and today I'm here with Sarah Phelps. Hi. Sarah is a resident STEM expert here in the Triad School District, and she's going to be sharing a lot about STEM in our classrooms and how you can use STEM at home, and uh, she's got some great ideas for us to share today. STEM is an acronym that's heard across the country now, and, and rightfully so. It's it's really quite important, and it has all kinds of pieces that are important to student growth and the job market out there right now. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics, and according to the U.S. Department of Commerce, STEM occupations are growing at 17%, while other occupations are growing at 9.8%. STEM is important because science, engineering, technology, and math are part of all of our lives. Science is everywhere around us in the world. Technology is continuously expanding into every aspect of our lives. Engineering is the basic design of roads and bridges, but also tackles the challenges of changing global weather and environmentally friendly changes to our home. Mathematics is in every occupation, and it's important to be able to do that well in every every activity we do in our lives. By exposing students to STEM and giving them opportunities to explore STEM-related concepts, they will develop a passion for it and possibly pursue a job in a STEM field. So we mentioned that STEM is present in our classrooms at Triad, but at home, STEM activities can be just as important because it helps us spark students' interest and gets them kind of thinking in a different direction and problem solving. A lot of families are doing at-home STEM activities and don't even realize it. For example, when you go outside and blow bubbles with your kid, you're actually doing a STEM activity. When you start to add in that how and why, it really becomes a problem solving and thought provoking process. And as Sarah and I talked about this a little bit too, it's okay not to know the answers if you're doing a STEM activity and your kid's asking why or how. I wouldn't know all the answers either, but research is part of that process that we go through. And Sarah's gonna share a little bit today about the process of designing your own STEM activities at home and some ideas that you can use. So welcome, Sarah. Um, Sarah is our computer science teacher at the elementary level, right? Sarah? Right, third through fifth grade. So she's been doing this for two years. This is my second year. And Sarah and I actually hired in the district at the same time 10 years ago. So we've had a chance to work together in lots of different areas. Um, when she hired in, she was a fourth grade teacher. She did that for eight years. And you've been doing IMSA for eight years also? Eight years also. Um, and Sarah, you said that you had your bachelor's from SIUE in elementary education and master's in univer- from the University of Scranton in curriculum and instruction. And then can you just tell us a second about your summer work at the Science Center? Because that just is fascinating. Absolutely. So um, I really wasn't very passionate about STEM education until I started doing EMSA Fusion, which is our after school um, enrichment for science and math at fifth grade. And one of the summers before I had all of my my boys, um, I decided to test out the summer program at the Science Center by becoming a, a teacher there. So I was able to plan and present science camps all summer long for the St. Louis Science Center. And between the Science Center and NMSA that summer, I really learned how engaging and exciting 
STEM and, and science education can be. And I really got a chance to see kids come to life when they were posed with these hands-on uh, problem-based learning um, activities. And so Sarah has brought tons of information and research into the district and is helping to transform classrooms all over. Um, she also has three boys of her own, which she gets to field test all of her uh, activities on. So <laughs> whether they work or not, <laughs> she will know. Um, so let's get into the fun and talk a little bit about what we can do at home. Um, so Sarah, where do we start? What kind of process would a parent use to create a STEM activity at home when maybe they don't even know a lot about STEM yet. Absolutely. Well, I think it really is important to to recognize that STEM is all around us. Like you were mentioning earlier, everything um, in nature is STEM. Everything that is revolved around cooking is STEM because their science is our life. It's how we interact. So when we're starting to think about STEM activities, um, it's really important to think about what you're already doing that you could just identify as STEM, but then um, start to think about what you have at your house that could promote that problem solving and, and exploration. We all have a lot of materials in our house that we have those little art baskets or drawers or whatever that may be. Your pantry's full of those. Definitely. So you've sat here and without, okay, I have these random pieces of equipment. What would you do with them? Well, it's a lot of times it's important for your kids to get just a chance to play and to, to kind of experiment on their own. But when you're ready and they're ready to um, engage, you can provide your kids with some challenges. And so maybe take the spaghetti out of your cabinet and, and tell them that you want them to use spaghetti and marshmallows and build a tall tower or you want them to um, construct a boat out of aluminum foil and and just challenge them to experiment with those materials that you have and and give them a goal so they have something to focus on and they know um, what they're trying to accomplish and and it's probably not going to work great the first time. They may fail miserably the first time, but that's actually STEM too. Learning how to fail and accepting failure as a first attempt in learning is is amazing, and and it helps them become tenacious and want to try again. So, just give them a challenge and back off. Let them let them play. Let them try things out and test and and see what happens. So parents shouldn't help a lot in the beginning. Is that what you're saying? Definitely. It's it's going to be hard because I know even even as a huge STEM proponent, I still want my kids to be successful but again finding that finding um the value of failure is really important it's it's what engineers do all the time so we need to help our kids understand that because sometimes i think we forget that we forget to encourage them to embrace failure and to learn from failure and then to redesign and try again and there's not a lot of benefit in problem solving until you have actually gone through that failure process too because if you get it right the first time you you have problem solved but you haven't problem solved all the way there's yeah (laughs) yeah no there's a fantastic edison quote about how if he fails a hundred times um you know it it, those were all ways that he learned because they were ways that didn't work so they're still valued um they're very valuable you know all these ways that it's not going to work so that's that's important for our kids to know too i think we always focus on success as opposed to the process of learning and yeah i love that there's lots of kids out there who don't know what it feels like to really struggle with a problem solving or some sort of um, difficult procedure. We have kids out there who can just do things the right. first time. So um, it's okay to watch them. Now, let's say they're, we've given them a task with the spaghetti and marshmallows, and maybe the goal that we came up with was make it as high as you can. Mm-hmm. And, and it's maybe not very successful. 
what would you suggest? I mean, they've they've had their chance to fail. They've had their chance to problem solve. What are some other ways they could go about trying to solve the problem? So something that I, I like to encourage, especially at the beginning, is let's do some research. Let's go Let's go look at things. You know, if we're trying to build a tower, then it's, it's valuable to go look at not just spaghetti towers, but <laughs> towers in general. How are towers built? What does a tower look like? What are some features that we could incorporate? So it's a great time to stop now that you've gotten some experience and go look at some, go look at some examples. Go, go read about some different, um, some different related topics so that you can then bring that information back. It might have been too much to do that at the beginning because you don't have any sense of of, of how this is going to work. But now that you've had this this time to kind of explore, kids have a better idea of what's expected. And they also already have some ideas of what wasn't working. They can go and look for um, some inspiration to help them to be more successful. Okay, so the basic process that we're looking at using anything, um, you're going to find some materials. You're going to create a goal or a problem of some sort to solve. Um, there should be some sort of struggle. If there isn't, we need to maybe make the problem a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, research and then revise what we're doing and continue the trials. So that's kind of the basic outline. Absolutely. So what would be some good starting points for people who are making a first-time STEM activity. I know we just talked a little bit about a tower. Mm -hmm. What are some other specifics that they could go look into? Well, you had mentioned bubbles at the beginning as part of the intro. And one of the simplest things that you could do, especially when it starts to get nice outside, is have um, your your, your child make their own bubble wand and really investigate what happens when you create different shapes. So, you know, buy some pipe cleaners. They come in packages of 100. You could make 100 different shapes. But have them make their own bubble wand and really explore the shape that they make, have them dip it into that bubble solution and blow and see what happens and ask them, you know, what happened to your shape? Was it the shape that you made? If you made a square bubble one, was your bubble floating around as a square? That is such a cool investigation because they're they're having this choice, they're observing, they're seeing what happens. Inevitably, they may say, well, Okay, it's always turning out a sphere when I blow a bubble with a two di- two dimensional shape. What happens if I make a three dimensional shape? You can really extend it, and that's such an easy, fun way to just take that play of blowing bubbles and making it into a STEM investigation. Right, and, and once you have done the observations, then starting to research the how mm-hmm. and the why and get that understanding behind it, and they're going to be a lot more motivated to go and actually research because yeah. they've just witnessed something very interesting. It, it, STEM, the goal of STEM is not to answer all the questions, it's to create a whole bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. We want our kids always excited to go learn something else. And that's really that goal of STEM is asking questions. Each time you ask a question and you find an answer, hopefully that's just going to prompt more questions. That's how we get to know the world around us. What other kind of ideas do you have? We've talked a little bit about towers and bubbles. What other ideas? Well, we've. We, I know you had a whole segment on cooking for math, but cooking is a great way to tackle STEM um, because you know cooking is chemistry. So it's really fun to do investigations in the kitchen about different ingredients and how you know adding more or less flour, using butter instead of using oil. How do those affect? And of course, that's the great. You're going to have huge engagement because part of your research has to be you know eating and tasting the cookies. So. Um, <laughs> You know, cooking is such a fun way to get to get your kids excited about STEM. Alton Brown is one of my my heroes, and that was one of the reasons why he started cooking, or because he was not a huge science fan, and found that he could tolerate science more, was more interested in science when he put it through the lens of cooking. So, it's a really fun way to to explore some of those science concepts. 
And I think as Mrs. Dawson and I said too, if you make anything that's just wonderful, feel free to send it our way. <laughs> Mrs. Phelps and I will always be happy to test out the actual um, the tasting sense yes. for you. Maybe we can journal about it. Yes, research is very, <laughs> very important. <laughs> One of my favorites too, and I know a lot of teachers use this in their classrooms, but you have these at home, the aluminum foil and the oh, pennies definitely. and the yes. water and the boat. I mean, we all did the boat growing up, but yes. we didn't realize actually what we were doing and how many different processes come into that. And Right. We and who's not at the pool already all summer long? You can, you can take your science to the pool and, and test out your boats. Um, aluminum foil boats are easy because it takes one small piece of aluminum and just something to weigh it down. So you can experiment with different shapes and sizes and, and discuss buoyancy. We... Um, have just a ridiculous amount of Legos at our house. And Legos are such a great way to incorporate engineering and design. So you could give your um, child some some challenges of things to build with Legos and also work on that um, the construction and see how strong it is and is something more, more sturdy than something else. So Legos are an easy thing to incorporate that you probably already have around at your house. That's one of the easiest ones that you can do right there, having the Legos. And I mean, the kids love them to begin with. And you can get the different sizes, too. I mean, we had Mega Blocks. And my kids love to see how tall their tower can get in Mega Blocks. I feel like when I go into kindergarten classrooms, that's what I see. How tall can you make your tower? And they are revising. Even though they think they're just playing, they're continuing to try something and then it'll fall down and then they'll try something different so going through that and then the talking about why that worked and how this design was different from this design and sarah and i have talked about several different things here and if you visit our website after the i just want to remind you that all of our show notes are there and any of these ideas that we've shared with you we're going to have resources and links for you and there's also going to be a whole lot more there too So make sure you visit our website afterward to get some more specifics on what you can do. Now, you also, we're going to share a few resources that you had shared with me before, too, about good places for parents to go online and get some ideas. Would you mind talking about those for a few minutes so that parents know what they're looking for when they go online? Absolutely. Anytime that you are trying to, to find some ideas for those challenges that we mentioned, it sounds silly, but Pinterest is going to be a great place to go look out. You're going to find a lot of links pretty quickly that will give you um, some ideas for some blogs. There are some great blogs out there. Um, this this month's STEM newsletter is going to have some links to those as well. So if you've been checking out our STEM newsletter, um, there are, are lots of either teacher-created blogs where they have ideas for for challenges or homeschool blogs you could find um steve spangler science which is a company is really great not only will they give you lots of ideas for challenges but a lot of times there are videos there that will show you what the demonstration or the investigation looks like so if you're somebody who's really just not super comfortable with stem yourself you can see how it how it can look and that way you have a you have kind of that comfort level that you can lead your kids but i think you said earlier it's really important that as parents, we don't overthink it. It really is about the process of our kids exploring and investigating. So these blogs are going to give you a lot of great ideas, but don't be worried if there's not a step-by-step process. It's about your kids kind of investigating and, and, and going through that process on their own and, and, and struggling a little bit, but also having the success of figuring it out. And one of the neat things that Sarah is doing in our district right now 
is starting a makerspace. And we, we've started at Henning Elementary and we'll be continuing into other buildings next year as well. And a makerspace is just a place that has materials and kids can get out different materials and and create and do um, if you've been to the science center in st louis one of their whole areas is called makerspace and and that's when i mean you just see kids having fun and sarah i'm going to give you a chance to talk a little bit about what that makerspace looks like at our elementary schools and then I mean, parents, you guys can take exactly what this looks like at school and then do the same thing at home with what you already have. Absolutely. So right now, uh, our makerspace is being uh, constructed at Henning, and the makerspace is just filled with supplies. And a lot of the supplies are your everyday craft sticks and, you know, pipe cleaners, lots of glue, bubbles, (laughs) beads, Legos, um, straws are such a huge thing. But it's all the supplies and maybe some that you wouldn't have even thought about that um, your kids can use to to accomplish these these tasks that you give them, and they sometimes it's one of those it's one of those things where you can't always anticipate what they're going to want. So your makerspace is constantly changing. You have the basic things that you can kind of fathom them needing, but you always we always are going to make sure that the kids know if there's something that you you think that would be a great addition to our makerspace, uh, make sure that you let us know because we want to try to get those supplies for them. But it gives the students choice when they're tackling a problem. Uh, one of my favorite science interactivities that they have is you're creating a parachute and that's that's it that's that's the goal <laughs> create a parachute so there are so many supplies that they could do that we have um material we have felt we have old plastic bags a lot of your recyclables are wonderful for a makerspace you don't even ex- actually have to go buy anything you can really use some of the things that you are possibly throwing away and instead repurpose them cereal boxes are such a fantastic resource for so many purposes and what's amazing is the purposes that kids come up with for these things for us it sometimes just looks like a bunch of of garbage or recyclables but to a kid's eye they can't wait to turn it into something amazing and their their brains already thinking of a hundred uses for these um objects and uh the makerspace really empowers them to do that to do just that invent something create something and and use their imagination and i like that idea maybe my goal when i go back to my office and type up the show notes here I, i will look for um science with recyclables or yes. stuff with recyclables. I'll see if I can get something on the website for that too, give you guys some ideas because now I'm I'm kind of intrigued about trying that at my house too. So Sarah, one last little piece here. Um, everything that we've talked about really is appropriate for kindergarten through 12th grade. You can make the challenges as difficult as you want. Um, but I understand getting older kids sometimes motivated to go do and understand and create can be a little more difficult. Uh, Do you have any specific suggestions for older students on what or how parents can really inspire them to try some of these things or or get going with this? Absolutely. Um, One of the things I think that is really empowering for older students is the opportunity to take things apart uh, and tinker. And so I know one of the things that I've seen at other makerspaces that was a great uh, a great inspiration to me was having something, they, they called it a hack rack, but it was specifically a place to put things that were either broken or not being used anymore. And the goal was for students to take them apart and see how they worked, to open them up and see inside and actually get to experience what 
what makes that thing that they're looking at work. They had everything from old computers to old radios to speakers. They had toys that they would take apart and they would just look at the components and see how it works. And that would that would prompt a lot of those questions of, you know, well, how does that work? I remember this is something that I did. I was not as adventurous. I wasn't tearing things apart. But um, the first time I saw the inside of a speaker, I did not realize that there was a giant magnet and a giant electromagnet in there. And so I was like floored. But that totally made me understand how a speaker works. It gave me an understanding that I would never have possessed had I not seen the inside. So this idea of letting your kids tear apart things that maybe you're not using anymore just promotes that idea that learning learning about learning about your environment learning about things that you use being familiar becoming um just impressed by how they were put together and created makes them ask more questions they they want to learn more and it's empowering um i know my husband has always been a tinkerer and he loved um taking apart computers when he was younger but then that promoted a um understanding so when he was in high school he built computers uh it was his side job Uh, you know most kids work at the grocery store he built computers for people so (laughs) it's um it's very empowering and it's not something that i think a lot of kids get to experience anymore to see somebody actually take something apart and fix or or look inside i i don't know if i could put it back together if i <laughs> took it apart but I mean, there are so many kids who can and mm-hmm. even if they don't know they can right now they might find that passion that they want to do so yeah before you throw it away right let, let a kid somebody, tear it up <laughs> see if somebody wants to destroy it a little bit more before it's already going in the in the recycling bin anyway and then when you mentioned alton brown earlier i just i feel like that would be a great place for some of our middle school and high school kids to start to uh he had the show on yeah, science yeah good eats good eats that's yes. it and, and watching some of those and understanding behind science and then go and try it see, yeah. see what happens um molecular gastronomy is one of those you know really buzzworthy things where you're doing all kinds of science experiments to make something into a little pearl right you take something that is traditionally more um more complicated and you turn it into a single bite those are the kinds of experiments that i think would be i think kids would just have a, a blast recreating and, and exploring and and it's something that is maybe just different from their everyday uh and it gives them a chance to play and experiment they get to learn like how how does how does gelatin work you know you can ask some of those big questions and let them explore and and have a lot of fun with 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 cooking and 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 get really complicated in their in their cuisine and i think that's that's very motivating for some kids it's something that's different and interesting and not your your traditional chemistry that you might be having in the classroom and then with summer coming up, I mean, there's so much you can do outside with STEM too, as far as mm. I mean, gardens. I mean, you want some fresh vegetables this year? Right. <laughs> Talk to your kids about STEM. Absolutely. <laughs> Planting and... You can do a lot with with gardens and, and outdoor spaces with flowers. You can do soil testing. You can watch moisture levels and measure moisture levels. You can observe the fauna and that that and show up in your garden. You know, do a journal and record what kind of what kind of animals. Nothing is more scientific than if you do have a pest problem, do some research. How are you going to address those pests? Those are all things that, like you, I think you mentioned at the beginning, help our students not only have a lot of fun with STEM, but it makes them aware of of what's going on around them. You know, our food has to be grown in a particular way so that it's healthful and that if we're using, if we have a pest, we want to make sure that we're not using something that's harmful for us. It's a, their their impact on on the world. So 
that's that's an another a lot of times people are doing gardens anyway so why not put the stem hat on when you are doing it and invite your kids out to do it with you we've given you guys a lot of different ideas and hopefully you found one or two that will work for you and and keep it your kids engaged over the summer or even in the next school year um sarah i Really appreciate you coming and sharing these ideas with us today. Sarah has lots of great ones, and we are going to put what we talked about today on our website, afterthebellrings.org, and we'll be putting even more ideas for you there where you can get information for pre-K all the way up to 12th grade. Our links to literature will share some books that will lead right into a STEM idea and some nonfiction books that you can use for more ideas as well. So... Remember that you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, and Stitcher, and on Facebook at After the Bell Rings Podcast. So once again, Sarah, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. And we will see you next time. You've been listening to After the Bell Rings. Our mission is to strengthen the school-home partnership. For show notes, to contact us, and for more information, visit afterthebellrings.org.